0: Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Sherry Kendrick. I was in Sarasota um, on tour on my way to Key West for some music stuff. And my friend Tim Rains, who's by the way a fantastic painter, if you want to check him out, Tim Rains. Um, he said, oh, you should really talk to my friend Sherry. She's great. She does some remarkable work uh, with photography. And I said, great. So I contacted Sherry and found out what an extraordinary woman she is. I went to her photography studio and we chatted about her nonprofit, Little Light of Mine, which you can find at Um and what she does, besides being a photographer in general, uh, the nonprofit Little Light of Mine uh, works with families who have ter- terminally ill children. And Sherry comes in and photographs the kids so that the families have lasting memories. And in some cases, um, when the children pass away, Sherry is there to um, to be a witness and. You know, they the parents get to finally take the tubes and the wires out of their their children, and and Sherry can take a picture of them looking, you know, like a kid instead of, you know, hooked up to all the stuff. Um, it's remarkable work, uh, man. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to to be in those situations. Uh, it just speaks to Sherry's character and her light. Um. Yeah, and she, she you know, there, we talked about other stuff too in her life, things that she's interested in, but this was really the focus was her nonprofit and the work she does with kids and the families. Um, I put links, of course, uh, on HeyHumanPodcast.com that links to Little Light of Mine and information about Sherry in general and the hospital she works with uh, there in Sarasota, the Children's Hospital. So please do go check that out, um, and you know as usual, go to iTunes, rate, review. I really appreciate that. Um, get the word out, tell your friends, and um, if you want, follow me on Instagram or Facebook. Hey, Human Podcast. <laughs> I would say follow me on Twitter, but you'd probably be disappointed because I do that link to Instagram thing, and that's really the extent of my Twitter abilities. On. On hey, human podcast. Um, I don't know what it is about Twitter. I'm just not big on the Twitter, I'm not good at it. Um, we have to know our strengths, don't you think? So, usual stuff go out there, join, like, encourage, um, share, do all the stuff. And thank you for listening. And if you want to email me, I would love to. Hear your thoughts, Susan at Podcast.com. Also, I want to bring up uh, my friend Ellen is going to be interviewing me for Hey Human uh, in an upcoming episode. And well, if you have any questions that you want her to ask me, please email them, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. I'm not going to look at the questions ahead of time. In the subject line, you can just write question for Susan, and I promise I won't look at them. And I'll just forward it on to Ellen. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to post on my Facebook wall as well, so people can do it there, too. All right, uh, without further ado, Sherry Kendrick, Little Light of Mine. Hi, Sherry Kendrick. Hello, Susan Reed. (laughs) Welcome to Hey Human. (laughs) Thank you for being on the show. So, Sherry, you are a special light in the universe, as far as I'm concerned, because not only are you a photographer... But you take your gifts as a photographer, and you have given back to people by uh, you photograph terminally ill children. Yes, uh, as a non nonprofit, so you don't charge any money. You just d- so let's talk about that. Okay. How did that come to be? And explain about yourself too, Leigh. Like, how did you get into photography in the first place? And then the the inclination to move in that direction.
1: Um. Okay. So how did I get into photography? I have been doing photography since I was a teenager, starting out in high school in the uh, yearbook staff. Oh. And even before that, like, taking silly little portraits of my family in the living room. So, um, you know, I've I've just been drawn to photography since I was, like, teeny tiny, little little. Yeah. And then um, I had a little break. I had a career in skydiving. But even then... (laughs)
0: I did, like, skydiving for 10 years. Wait, when you mean you had a career in skydiving, meaning you taught? I was an instructor. Or somebody paid you to jump out of airplanes on purpose? Well, Both. That's, yeah. that's what an instructor is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. How many jumps have you done?
1: Um, somewhere over 600. I don't know the... I don't actually know the exact number, right? Wow. Off
0: the top of my I head. would never do that in a million years. Oh, it's so fun. You should do it once. My ex, he was big into skydiving, and I, which was fine, but I just it's Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid of Where hide. did he jump? Uh, um, Washington State. In, I've been out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so before that, I got a degree in journalism
1: with a minor in photography. Okay. So I, basically, that's a degree in photojournalism. And I worked for a paper doing freelance um, kind of photography, standalone photography for mm-hmm. the newspaper. Um, so, I mean, it's always been a part. Even I was actually a preschool teacher for a few years, which I loved. Um, and even then I took my camera to work. Actually, this is how my career in photography where I actually started getting paid is I would do pictures of my kids in, in preschool and then the par- and I'd post them on our bulletin board and parents started like saying, Hey, will you come to my house and do like pictures of our family? And I'm like, oh. and then people started paying me. I wasn't even asking for money. That's amazing. Yeah. And so yeah. that's how that like spawned the business. I, st- I went ahead and like opened a DBA and, um, and people actually paid me for this thing that I love to do anyhow, so that was really awesome. And so, how did Little Light of Mine start out of that? <clears throat> I've had a few experiences in my career where people have called me um, because their, a family member was in hospice and only had a short time to live, and so I would, you know, I went and did those shoots, and um, you know, it was pretty powerful to To go and do portraits, knowing that that one of them was getting ready to die, um, and providing, you know, that was those were paid jobs. Those those was before the nonprofit started, um, and but the experience was pretty powerful and. My specialty has been a lot of families and children. Mostly, I do a lot of headshots and other stuff, other creative stuff that I don't make money. I spend money, but um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the creative arts. <laughs> so, but I, the, the the you know the commission part of it is mostly children and family and newborns. And so, I have volunteered for various organizations over the years. I've always volunteered for something. So I. And most of it was children-oriented. I photographed foster kids for adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did, I did volunteer for some... Uh, two organizations are sort of similar to mine. Um, and I enjoyed aspects of it, but I, I just wanted... There were things of it that did not resonate with me, and so I wanted to start my own to do it the way that I felt like the need was for the families. Um, one thing being that we don 't limit the reason why they 're terminally ill we don 't uh have specifications like it 's cancer only or heart only you know heart defects only it 's anybody, any child who 's fighting a life threatening illness we will photograph them so <clears throat> basically it 's combining my craft, my love for children, and my heart sense to volunteer and Merged them all together. Merged them all together, and that's how I... I mean, I, I was going to volunteer for other organizations, but I felt like I could do it better, so. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how
0: did you pick Little Light of Mine as the moniker?
1: Um, because there have been some... There have been a few cases, and, and again, this is kind of before I even started with the organization, but um, where parents have called me. We have a... All Children's here is a pretty world-renowned hospital, and um, there's some doctors here that treat very rare diseases and defects um there is uh, a few a few people who uh, a few moms that would call me and you know describe their their child's condition and really prepare me for you know something awful like that they their heads are too big or whatever just like and they're and they're not cognitive and you know and, and all this i think to prepare me so i'm not like shocked or freaked out which I have never been shocked or freaked out, and even before the organization, I also have photographed a lot of autistic children. And so, during the photo shoot, quite often, even when they're in a vegetative state or, you know, just cognitively really challenged, there's always <clears throat> when you're patient, <laughs> it does take some patience because sometimes it takes a while. But you know, if you just kind of ease into it and really focus on their eyes and and giving them your undivided attention. Um, there's like a spark that comes on and, you know, there's just this little flicker of I'm here, you know, even though my body is not agreeing with me and I have all these problems, there's a little part of them. And it really does melt, melt my heart that I I have poked through the wall. I'm sure a lot of people miss, you know, that when they're just out and about in their lives, you know, they just see them in a wheelchair and define them as their disability and, so that's where The Little Light of Mine kind of started.
0: The, that's really beautiful. It, I mean, it's. It it, I think as a culture, maybe as a humankind, we look at people with disabilities as less than. It's an unfortunate. Yes. And we forget that they still have that soul in there. And even if they can't speak.
1: And I think that as a society, and I don't know how it is in other countries, but in our society, I think that we are so innately like just... Um, awkward like we, we have fears of people that are different than us mm-hmm. so I think it's easier for us to kind of turn away from someone in a wheelchair than it is for us to try to treat them just like someone who is standing and talking to us where you know like you know seeing a child in a wheelchair and smiling at them and, and treating them just like you would a little child that was standing up and right. being cute what we see is cute um you know is as not something that comes intuitively to our culture. Well, not so. only that,
0: but being willing to, to understand that even if they're not responding, that they're in there, Yeah. that they, that it starts bringing into the, you know, the idea of the soul and the universe and yeah. energy and all that stuff, which I'm a big fan of, you know, and if you're, if you, like you said, have the patience, you'll catch it. You'll catch that moment. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are all just humans. And they are no less human than you or I or any healthy child. Or
0: how do they find you?
1: Um, well, there's a few ways. I have we have we have partnered with All Children's Hospital, so they refer us. Yeah. Uh, there's also another nonprofit organization here in the Tampa Bay area called um, Children's Dream Fund, and they are like Make a Wish kind of, um, but they are strictly to the Tampa Bay area.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So they're the local, um, but they grant wishes for children who are fighting a life-threatening illness. So they're, they refer their families to us. So we do a lot of cross yeah. referrals. And then there's quite a few people who just hear, or, you know, we're, we're growing in our, our awareness and yeah. our community. And so there's just a lot of people who um, call us privately private referrals. And we, and we also work with some pediatric hospice groups in the Tampa Bay area. So, and we will go to the hospital. Um, we will go to people's homes if the kids are healthy enough. Mm -hmm. Um, we will go to uh, to a park. We also have, you know, we have a shooting space right here. So
0: can you remember back to the, uh, the first time you worked with a terminally old child, what was that experience like? Um, and it was here in Saras or sorry, St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it was. Um, there's somebody that
1: comes to my mind that very I'm not even sure who the very, very first one was, but because um, again, before the organization, I mean, I didn't really ask all the conditions. I mean, I, I, I because I'm so close to all children's, I did get a f- fairly frequent request to conduct photo shoots. But because it was not through the line of mine, I'm not sure if they were technically terminally ill or if they were just Thick. severely disabled. Oh. Uh, but the, I mean, like the one that stands out to me really is um, is a little guy named Isaac, and and he was waiting for a heart transplant at All Children's. He was about maybe five or six months old, I think, when I photographed him. And,
0: uh, five or six, waiting for a heart transplant. Five time. or six months old, months, months. Yes. Five or six months old, waiting for a heart, waiting for a transplant. I can't even. I mean, I can't <coughs> even imagine what the parents have to go through with that. Level. Well, a little it was, child. I mean. It was a
1: tragic ending. Um, he did get a heart, and and the, so the photo shoot was beautiful. Um, the mom and him just were in love with each other very clearly. Um, he was just.
0: Isaac and his mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: his mom's name is Angie, and and it was just it was a day that I personally had some personal issues going on, and you know I had some financial issues. I was stressed out about paying my rent and paying my bills, and and I got to the hospital to. I had like three or four kids to photograph that day, and um, when I got to his room, you know. It was. It's. It's really wild sometimes how this sort of erases every your other world around you, and I, uh, you know, I just for like it. It totally grounds you and brings you this new perspective. So, and that happened that day. He was he, the way he looked at me. He he like I don't know. I don't know if he was sensing something was going on with me. Like maybe he was picking up on my energy. I have no idea. But he looked at me, and it really did, like, totally melt my soul. It was, I mean, it was pretty powerful. And he got a heart transplant um, a a few months after that, and I got another phone call from the hospital that a child had just passed, and and the mom wanted me to photograph them without all the tubes and everything before they took him to the morgue. I did not know it was Isaac.
0: Oh, my God!
1: And so I got there, and um you know, when I realized it was him it was it was pretty like it was pretty sad so but I was <clears throat> very, very happy that I had been able to give them and not only for the photographs from that day to doc- i mean it's a documentation of their journey and but the photographs from the the time before. Yeah. You know, because they were so incredibly moving, like I mean, they were really powerful of him looking up at his mom and his arm- and her arms, and you know cognitively he was perfectly healthy, he was just, he just his heart just wasn't strong, and um so that you know it's experiences like that that I knew would be meaningful, and I knew they would be powerful but now now that I'm doing this regularly like it's it really is. Just as much uh, benefiting me and and my my mental health. <laughs> How do you think it's changed you? Well, it, sh- it has absolutely put things in perspective. You know, when I go in there and I think I've just got all these big problems, <laughs> and then I walk out going, I don't have any problems. You know, I mean, it's 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 everything is relative. Mm-hmm. So. Um, You can really let yourself get wound up about a bunch of really stupid stuff, you know, and then when you see somebody else, you you know, or even like we, we as Americans, I think are just super guilty of taking everything for granted and we have first world problems and we get real caught up in our first world problems and then when you go to a hospital like when I left that day and Angie and her husband were grieving the loss of this child I was like how can I even think about being upset about anything you know I I can't and I'm leaving this hospital like leaving, you know, this building inside this one of these rooms there are two parents that are saying goodbye to their son. Yeah, you know.
0: Everything is certainly relative, but I mean, I do think that we are all entitled to have our stuff too. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's it is it's a conundrum because certainly there's everywhere you look there's someone having a much worse day, having a much worse life than you are. Absolutely. I
1: mean, and and, and if you do it in the big picture, globally, then absolutely. Because even then, you know, you've got children that need heart transplant. They're never going to get a heart transplant, not even a chance. You know, they're just the infant mortality rate is higher. People are actually starving to death still in this world right now. In this country,
0: people are starving. (laughs) It's not just third world. We also have a major hunger problem in America. Um, But yeah, globally, humans... uh, have a lot of catching up to, uh, humanity. You know yes, what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to be dialed into. <laughs> it, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to honor your own feelings when you're feeling sad or happy or, you know, any, and not feel guilty for feeling happy or, or guilty for feeling sad, knowing that there are other people going through all their own things. It's such a hard balance in some, some ways to find the permission to feel crappy you know about your life in a moment, and then, then be reminded of how how short it is and how beautiful it is, right. even in its tragedy. Um, Absolutely. And as a photographer to be able to capture that, I I can't even begin to wrap my head around what what you've seen. You yeah, it's, it's
1: it's pretty it's pretty intense. I mean, I was one of the most intense ones was actually well, they the doctors had recommended one child be taken off life support and because his his outlook which is so grim uh, medically and the parents had scheduled him to be off life support and they wanted me to f- document the whole day Boy. and so i was there in the morning all all the grandpa you know everybody was there grandparents and everybody and uh, their chap, the hospital chaplain and all you know, all of the people that deal with this situation. There's a whole team of people, especially for this. And I was there for like six hours. I mean, they they wean him off in a very controlled way until I think the last thing is pain meds that they keep him on until he actually passes. And he was in his mother's arms, and uh, she had his. I mean, this is hours in. It takes hours, and and you know, she had her hand on his heart and felt. last heartbeat. And I mean, it was just like, and then she bathed and she had a plan. you know, she had this all pre-planned and she was able to take all the tubes. The doctors helped her take all this tape and, you know, the tubes and everything out of his face. And, um, and then it was just, it was just him naked, you know, for the first time since he had been born, nothing, no tubes, no tape, no nothing. And she bathed him, sponge bathed him and we took him down to the garden so he could actually be outside in natural light first time for that too. And it was incredibly um powerful experience. And like you said, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for it. There's like there's there's joy and there's grief. And the two of them are very closely related in a way. So, you know, that level of emotion is intense but i personally um, am very grateful to be invited into that space it's a very sacred space and very. it does make me feel alive just as much as joy makes me feel alive
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i can turn that off okay sorry the air conditioning had a had a big loud explosion so now yeah. we're, we're ac free okay sorry go on
1: um so yeah that experience had like a huge effect on me i i um for a few days on that some people are like how do you do this without crying i'm like who says i don't cry
0: yeah. well, I <laughs> like you know because to, <laughs> to be a great photographer i i feel like you also have to be in an, a an very empathic human being you have to do you know because mm-hmm. people some people are naturals in front of the camera and they just eat it up some people like myself can be very uncomfortable in front of the camera and uh, but i've worked with some photographers that have taken really extraordinary photographs of me. And I think, how how did you do that? Mm-hmm. Because I know how in my brain, really how it feels. Now, obviously with infants, you don't have to worry about that. But um, so for you, assuming you are quite empathic, uh, is that a fair assessment? I would, I would say so. Yeah, <laughs> so do you, I mean, so you deal with death on such a regular basis. Does that not... I'm trying. Do you have anyone to talk to afterward, or is there any way Um, to process it out of yourself?
1: We have some on our on our team, on our volunteer team. We have some uh, pediatric nurses and and people that I mean, I can I can reach out to Um, the vice president of the organization of your
0: organization. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Her name is Sybil Falo. She actually was brought to the organization because she lost a child when she was the little girl was um, two and so she's a good person to talk to she's she's an amazing and really amazing human being um she has been with me she has been my support system since the first day of little light of mine she has pretty much been right there with me and she's still right there with me and I don't know what I would do without her yay
0: Sybil yay Sybil
1: love you girl <laughs> um do you have children I do I have a 14 year old son and a nine year old daughter wow you
0: must have started at about 10 you look very young um... <laughs> yay could you make sure that gets me <laughs> Oh, you're a redhead. <laughs> redhead, stay young looking. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't start. How? <laughs> do you... So there's another level to that. I mean, my gosh, here you are. You have your own children who are mm-hmm. healthy, I, I assume, and and mm-hmm. succeeding in their in their growth and and as they move up. And here you are in the worst moment of other parents' lives. How do you? How? How does? How does that all go in your brain pan? Um, my brain pan. I like that word.
1: Um, it makes me appreciate what I have, when I leave, when I leave a day, like, like the day that he was just, the little child was disconnected from life support. I am definitely in a different headspace. And, you know, when I'm around my kids on a day like that, it's calm, it's sweet and it's. Grateful. I'm just in a complete state of gratitude for, and I talk to my kids about it too. And sometimes they see me crying and sometimes, you know, my they will ask, I'm like, you know, I photographed somebody who's not going to make it or, you know, something like that. And, and they're, they're getting dialed into that. They're seeing it somewhat regularly, but, um, you know, and my daughter, my nine year old, she'll ask me some questions and stuff. And, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, and, and that's what life is. You know, we don't know that we're going to be here tomorrow. Even without having a, an illness, we could get in a car accident. Sure. So it's really, really important that, you know, we are on good terms with each other and that we don't take each other for granted. And, you know, we
0: live in this moment because this moment is all we know we have. So, it is a shame we're so afraid of our mortality because I feel like the royal we, you know, if we were to embrace our mortality and the fact that nobody has a clue when our last day mm-hmm. is, um that maybe we would be nicer to each other. Oh, absolutely. I would absolutely. I'd like to I think
1: so. I'd like to hope so. I think it would dramatically change the way mm-hmm. we live our lives if we could be a little bit more aware and use our sense of mortality as um as a tool for good for good yeah absolutely i mean if only how's it changed
0: your parenting
1: um like you know it just it really does make me very grateful to to have the kids i don't see them you know you said oh they're they're probably healthy kids but some of the kids that i have photographed were healthy until they were 10 they were healthy until they were 15.
0: Oh, yeah. And they were
1: diagnosed with cancer then and then they died 2 years later. So, wow. Um, you know, it does put that, you know, in perspective that as far as I know, my kids are healthy, but they too could come down with some, you know, they could be diagnosed with something. And and that rings through my head. It's actually made me a little probably a little bit more paranoid than the average parent cuz I'm like my daughter will say, "Oh, my leg hurts." and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, she's got cancer," you know, and um <clears throat> I have to ward off some of that yeah hypochondria a little bit but um but then again, it's very real. a lot of the children that are diagnosed were misdiagnosed all oh, those growing pains that's nothing, that's nothing you know it's a flu, it's a what it's that you know and then after these things don't go away and they become persistent, they do further tests and a lot of times when kids are diagnosed with cancer, it's stage three or four because, because. of those those misdiagnoses yeah. so I want to stay on top of it, you know. Sure. And Without it's... turning your
0: kids into hypochondriacs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but, um, so that's one way uh, it's affected me. But, you know, just in general, just trying to teach them over and over and over again that we need to live in this moment and that mostly, you know, everything doesn't really matter. You know, all of these things, like when they have a conflict or, you know, with each other or schoolmates or with schoolwork or whatever, you know, just trying to teach them, you know, and in, in a week, will this matter? And mm-hmm. three months, will it matter? In five years, does this matter? No, what? It doesn't, it's not going to matter. You know, the little two rule thing that don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. I try and like get them to realize that again, with the awareness of mortality without being morbid, you know, without like just to be into too over the top with it. But, but truthful it is truthful you know sure so
0: for the children who are verbal who are terminally ill um they're usually it, amazing yeah i was just going to say in some of the documentaries i've seen um, with terminally ill children or even some of the news things i've seen the children seem very wise very old soul and very not unafraid do you find that
1: yes for the most part they they're i don't i don't understand all of the phenomenon because, but there is a consistent, there is a consistent energy that comes out in wisdom. And like you said, like you're an old soul, like old, these children are wise beyond their years. Um, I am not sure if, I don't really know. I really have no idea why. But even that baby, like, he wasn't even verbal. And I am telling you, the way that Isaac looked at me was like, I felt like God was looking at me, whoever that is. I don't know, you know. But, you know, just the spirit that he just, it's almost like he wanted to get my attention. And I've seen it with my own kids sometimes, you know. They can see that my brain is, somewhere out and somewhere else. And they will bring me back down. A lot of times it is just with eye contact, without words. But, um, even the families, the, not just the children, but the, the moms and the dads and this, when I walk into a room where you know all of, all of this is going on, the love is so much more fierce and you know these guys are dialed into a whole other thing because someone's life is being threatened. and it's the doctors
0: you mean? These guys who the,
1: the parents. Oh yeah, the parents, the family members, the siblings, the siblings, have a whole different thing going on than, than healthy siblings that aren't aware that they could lose each other. Um, but yeah, there's a whole, they're definitely a different category. I mean, I have photographed a lot of families in my life and the, the families that have a child with a life threatening illness are special. They are very special because, because I think they, they realize every day is precious. Every moment is precious. So they don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. you know, I've had some families that bring their child in with life support, you know, machines, this, that, suction, and they're more at ease and more joyful and more at peace than, you know, a family driving in here with their – and they they have – usually are struggling with finances, these families. Sure, it's very expensive. Yeah, I mean, it is stressful, like Mm -hmm. you would think.
0: Many families go bankrupt when having a terminally ill child. It's it's intense,
1: (laughs) you know, like hearing some of these financial stories. many
0: end up in divorce as well Mm -hmm. because the the trauma of it all and the Mm -hmm. the pain and the sorrow. And when they look at their spouse, they see their child reflected in their eyes, you know, all that stuff, I Mm -hmm. think. The Statistics for that are it's
1: a lot of stress. It's amazing. I have a lot of families that have survived it, though. I don't know why I, you know, a little out of mine, I've seen a lot of the families that are, have survived it, but um,
0: perhaps because they're willing to bring in somebody to document this maybe. tragic and beautiful mm-hmm. thing that they already see beyond mm-hmm. the you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're But able it to is, it is,
1: it, it is just. Really, I mean, I knew it was going to be powerful. And, and even when I was skydiving, I was, you know, there, there were young people that died in the sport. It's a very small web, even though it's mm-hmm. worldwide. You know, you kind of get to know people mm-hmm. from other drop zones and stuff. And there is tragedy. And
0: The and guy the, that taught, I went in the wind tunnel uh-huh. thing. Uh, my ex bought me a, for my birthday, which I was terrified the entire time, but I did it. And uh, the guy that was my instructor, who was gorgeous and full of life and just fun and funny and a great teacher, he was the one directing me in the wind tunnel. He died two weeks later, uh, coming in too fast, what wind hot tunnel? dogging. Uh, in in Scott, what's it called? Sky something. It's in in Seattle or in, oh, is it okay? Yeah, in Washington.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I encountered that frequent enough when I was. That was mostly my twenties. And Were you ever scared to jump?
0: Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, okay. I was
1: the most, like, in high school, if there was a category for most likely to not do anything scary or, or risky, I would have taken that by, like, a Is that why energy. you chose
0: to do skydive? No.
1: Dive? The funny story with that is I, I was doing, I was working in a newspaper,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I met a, a person who took me, he, he jumped, and, you know, he's like, hey, you want to come out and just watch sometime? And I'm like, Sure. I lived in Pasco County, which is north of here. There's like one race, there's one religion, and there's one political party and it's this guy right no
0: no it's <laughs> jumping out it's of this planet. white
1: people oh
0: i'm sorry i thought you meant that it unified people christian people republican oh. people so i Wait. was
1: raised oh. in this environment and i did not expand my mind or okay my i think i'm much.
0: confusing you're saying that the way you were raised was white christian republican and that you were drawn to this other world right. that wasn't that okay right. I thought you were saying that the guy no. people were no, like where that. I
1: was where we were oh. he asked me to go out to the drop zone okay and so I was Ray I'm gonna give you a little background like my mind was very um I've always naturally been kind of curious about the world but just never had exposure to it sure so I went out to the drop zone and and in Florida um Skydiving. There's a lot of foreigners. A lot, probably more than there is Americans, because it's it's just a cheap place to 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 skydive in the winter. So when I went out there for the first time, I mean there was you know this is this is in the 90s, but um, we had like you know a bunch of trailers and tents, and nobody had TVs. Nobody was glued to a TV. Uh, I don't... There wasn't really cell phones. No, like pre-cell no. phones. Yeah, yeah, so we weren't all glued to a phone. Um, I'm sure that's changed. But... Um, and I was just exposed to all this culture. There was, like, Germans and people, you know, Finns and people from France and UK and all... I mean, around a campfire every night. Mostly everybody spoke English. That was a common language. But but there was, like, you know, people would go off on their own languages. And I was just completely, like, wowed by the experience. I had never even considered um, skydiving myself. That was I was only there to be a spectator, mm-hmm. and then I was like drawn to it. So I was drawn to the culture and that lifestyle, and I I ended up like within a month starting to plan on go, moving out there and just living out there because I was so like Where's, hungry in Zephyrhills. Is, it? it's, is it's, that in
0: Florida? Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: yeah, it's a pretty skydiv skydive city. Um, but it's a pretty big drop zone for Florida.
0: Okay.
1: Pretty well known. And so I ended up like, before I ever even made a skydive or thought about making a skydive, I ended up selling, um, and donating most of my stuff from my apartment. And I was in my senior year in university. So I was almost graduated with my photojournalism degree. And so I went, just moved out there and I wasn't even a skydiver.
0: <laughs>
1: so uh and they call us woofos, but I was a good I was an in because I was like
0: what's a woofo?
1: A woofo, it's W W U F F O a person who that's what skydivers call non skydivers. Oh. Yeah. It's not I don't think it's a term of endearment. So like
0: a groupie. A skydiver yeah, groupie? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, I've never heard it. that.
1: Yeah. So um yeah, so we would, you know, I'd go out there every weekend and then eventually I ended up moving out there and six months after i lived there everybody was like so you don't jump no 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 i don't jump and people were like why not why don't you do a jump and i'm like oh well maybe i will so i did scared the life out of me and
0: um <gasps> did you pee i would have peed no <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't pee on that jump. But I know yeah. I drooled a lot in the air tunnel, <laughs> like a lot. Was it like, yeah, oh running God. up your face? I drooled like a basset hound. It was that's crazy. so funny. I don't know basset or whatever bulldog. Yeah. I guess oh, I think basset
1: hounds drool. But yeah, they. Uh, that I was scared, and but but it was it was good. I mean, I knew the people I was that were teaching me and doing my tandem because I had lived there for 6 months. So I was actually pretty good friends with everybody. So I actually had a lot of trust. Yeah. And then yeah, I loved it and continued on and then became, you know, a couple of years later I became an instructor.
0: Have so, you ever had a close call?
1: Many. Really? Yeah.
0: What do you think about in those moments? Oh shit. <laughs> 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 um yeah, I mean you just
1: deal, you, you know, it's a, it's a high speed sport, so you don't have a lot of time to think. So you just, you do your, on the ground, you do your emergency procedures in your head so many times that it is actually kind of like, Oh, Oh crap, this
0: is happening, you know? So I know what to do. I know
1: what to do, do it, do it, do it. But your adrenaline just goes
0: like Crazy. Yeah, I'm sure it's a drug. I tried to say it to my ex all the time, like, you know that that's your own brand of drug mm-hmm. and he's like, No, it's I'm an adrenal junkie. I'm like, ah, oh, I think what? you are. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you are. Yeah. Did you quit because of having children? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got burned out. I wanted to have like indoor plumbing in my own place and not use communal Oh, because you were at the bathrooms. camp. Yeah. yeah. It was very communal. The lifestyle was very communal, which really worked for me for several years. And I I mean, I would say that molded me to be who I am those years of, of uh, skydiving. And that was pivotal. Because again, I came from a very conservative, very conservative family. Uh, I went to Christian Academy from kindergarten to 12th grade. I never was exposed to anything.
0: What did your parents think about you running out to be a, a weirdo jumping on a plane hippie? Um, <laughs> I say that with all the love in my heart, of course. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, I don't think
1: my mom necessarily loved it but my dad was out of the picture Mm. so um yeah i think she she probably thought i was crazy Crazy. i don't think she loved it just because of the risk
0: yeah but yeah i did it i think it's such an interesting irony that you faced death in that regard and now here you are photographing death basically Uh life and into death Uh um going back to the kids uh, you've been present i assume in a lot of moments of last breaths
1: not a ton a lot of times though i'll be there and i know that they're going to disconnect after i leave yeah that day you know yeah. um and sometimes you know i don't you know there are, like children who are going undergoing treatment um but and you know i just i just photographed a, a little girl in december um who was 3 and they had just stopped treatment for her and because cancer or, mm-hmm. yeah. and and it just wasn't working. And so I knew that she was going to, to die, uh, within about six weeks is what her prognosis was. So that was really, really hard just, you know, it was cause I did that at their home and then we went for a walk to this little park and, you know, just, you know, obviously the parents and I knew The whole situation there was two other siblings and a baby she was the middle child and then an older boy and the older boy they had told but they weren't sure exactly how much he had grasped you know was grasping um but that was you know really really hard I've only been in a few cases where I was actually in the room during while they were turning off everything but um
0: did anything happen that you are aware of as they took their last breath in those cases
1: like do you know, know how me?
0: some say you can feel the soul leave the no. body or anything like that. No, nothing like
1: that for for me. Um, you know, and there is a whole aspect of it that I am doing a job. I'm, I'm. It's kind of like a documentary that I'm I'm doing, and I am on my a game. So like I'm working very hard to not screw up anything. Constantly looking at my settings staying out of the way you know these rooms aren't very big and when there's like you know 15 people in there between the hospital staff and and parents and family and grandmas and grandpas I have to like be very small and you know just like make sure that I'm getting getting these behind basically like behind scenes documentary style stuff I mean once in a while I will direct a little bit and um, but I try to stay quiet because it's it's not about me uh, but I've cried in the rooms with parents, uh, as well. But um, yeah,
0: it's it's been it's been pretty uh, intense, I guess. Has it changed uh, your own perspective of mortality for yourself? Other than knowing that you are in the present, we talked about that. But I mean, the real idea of death. Um.
1: Cause that speaks to life. Somewhat, somewhat, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, like the the skydiving, I was fully aware of my mortality. Uh, I lost friends that were my age, which was in my, you know, in their twenties, in their twenties, and then some, you know, thirties, forties. But I was in my twenties at that time, so it was it was in my face. It was definitely, you know, every time you leave an airplane, you don't know whether you're going to survive, or if all the people that were on the load are going to survive with, you know, if anybody's going to make a mistake that's going to cost them their life. Um, so I come from that, I, I thrive in those environments, I guess, like where I am reminded of mortality and, um, I think everybody should, everybody should watch jump out of an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> Be reminded of their mortality. I think it's kind of healthy to lose someone. Unexpectedly, every so often, because it does reset you.
0: Yeah, I've uh, died twice. Uh, okay. And, and come back. Wow. Uh, I drowned when I was three and was brought back, and uh, the second time I was on an operating table, and so the doctor brought me back, or the you know doctor and nurses brought me back. So, but I don't know if that counts because I've had a couple, not very many. Do you remember
1: either one of them? Second one.
0: My body remembers the drowning, uh, but my mind remembers the. The operating table one, very very distinctively yeah. or distinctly. One of those two mm-hmm. words. All of those words. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So that has to uh, reset you. Yeah, I think. But I'm as human as the next person, mm-hmm. and I get caught it's up in amazing. the bullshit of life. It's absolutely, all the time. it's
1: amazing how quickly you know. Like I get, I leave there, and I'm just like, oh I'm, I, I
0: need to just stay like grateful. You have to just stay in a place of gratitude, really. Yeah. Um, I do feel I'm relatively grateful. I know that's kind of a conundrum thing to say, but I do, but it's easy to get tangled up. It's so easy. I'm like,
1: how is, you know, when I leave the hospital and I had this like incredible experience, it's like life-changing and I'm like, good. feel like I'm good to go for three years. I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to take a thing for granted. I'm not going to go set about any small stuff. I'm good to go. And then like three days later, I'm like having a temper tantrum because you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, how did I slip back into this whole, but you know, I'm human and that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to feel sorry for ourselves a
0: lot. So, yeah. um, and get wrapped up in stuff that just doesn't matter it really just doesn't matter before i came to florida i did the obligatory bathing suit shopping which i haven't done in years because it's traumatic (laughs) (laughs) and you know i'm six foot one so people get annoyed when i say that like oh i hate because they just assume that if you're six foot one and thin that you will just automatically worship the body you are in which is ridiculous we all have our stuff Mm -hmm. i I have really nice wrists i think (laughs) but um So I was in the the bathing suit in Target, trying on bathing suits. Lighting in Target is not your friend. No, it is not. It's not your friend, even a little. It's not. It's horrifying.
1: And uh, I don't know why these dressing rooms, oh, these big retail stores, do not dial in to the lighting. Hello, I Target people, you would sell a lot more clothes. I think lighting if is you, everything. If it, you if gave they would. Look. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's not a good choice to light it like that. Yeah. It's horrible. It's
0: I just cannot wait to get those clothes back off. Yeah. Like, oh. I took the leap of faith. I bought this bathing suit, and I wasn't thrilled. But I, I went home, and then I tried it on again. It's a lot better in my own lighting at home. But so. Flash forward a few days later, and I was lifting some. And I remember in that moment in the dressing room thinking, "Oh God, I worked so hard at the gym, and then oh, if I could fix this or fix that or whatever." And then flash forward uh, a little bit, and I was I was having to pick something up that was relatively heavy, and then something fell, and I caught it at the last second before it crashed. And and then I thought, "Well, look at that, thank you, body." And I it, it kind of chokes me up a little bit because I think we get so caught up in all the things we're not and we forget all the things that we are. It's Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this body of mine has survived some pretty intense stuff and it's scarred and it's battered. And you know, it's not always, it doesn't always run optimally. And I have aches and you know, whatever it's, but look at how much it does do for me. And so I, I feel like, I allow myself to have those moments of, oh, my God, what am I doing fighting on this bathing suit? So that I can get to those moments of, thank you, body, for doing all the things you do. It's hard to be human. <laughs> so hard to be human. Yeah, it is. So it is. We make
1: it hard. I, I mean, there is something to be said for there are some people who I think dial into something else. They do, um, and they are
0: able to stay in it, Yeah, like the Dalai Lama. He probably yeah. has no trouble shopping for bathing suits. <laughs> just saying. And look at him. Would you just look at him? Yeah. <laughs> he is pretty adorable. Yeah, I'll give him that. Um, I assume you're... So Little Light of Mine is a nonprofit. Yes, it so is. So how do you find funds to help it continue on? And what is... Are you going to... We talked off the mic about... In Nashville, Tennessee, where I live, um, we have a great children's hospital there, mm-hmm. and you know St. Jude and all that. Um, so, those are three questions in one.
1: What, like uh, the expansion, the fundraising? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, fundraising is tricky. Um, you know, I'm a photographer. Not a fundraiser, (laughs) not a, not even really trained in business. So it's always been a struggle even running my own business and running a nonprofit is like exactly like running a business. You just don't charge the people that you're serving, but you got to charge somebody, you know, you have to raise those monies somehow. So, um, we have a couple different, we have, you know, a few layers of, of sponsorships, you know, of course we have corporate sponsors that we would love to have. Um, And down at the the sustenance level is, you know, we have a campaign called Keep the Lights On um, that we are trying to get 300 people to donate $12 a month, which I made that number up um, based on what I could afford. And I'm pretty poor, you know, so I'm like, even I can afford $12 a month.
0: I would argue that you're actually quite rich,
1: (laughs) just saying. Yes, yes, yes. financially challenged though sometimes. Yeah. But uh um so you know we 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 are not we haven't really been actively campaigning for that. But $12 a month if we had 300 of those donations, it would cover all of our operational costs every month. Okay. Um we have a new board member who is um working on fundraising uh, and, you know, she is going to beef up our – we don't. We haven't written any for any grants yet. I'm sure we're eligible, but we just – again, I'm not a grant writer, nor do I know about grants. Um, so it's a lot of research. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff to if do. If any
0: grant writers are listening and would like to donate their time to help this organization, Little Light of Mine, please email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com, and I will forward yeah. your info on to her, on Sherry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um or they
0: could probably email you directly, which mm-hmm. would be Sherry
1: dot Kendrick and Sherry is one R and an I. S H E R I dot Kendrick K E N D R I C K at L L O M for Little Light of Mine <laughs> dot org. Um
0: I'll have links on my website too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um so yeah, that's uh fundraising is tricky. We have some local, you know, restaurants that do charities i'm going to be pouring beer on may 22nd i don't even drink beer nor do i know how to pour it but i'm going to learn uh at ale and witch so you know that's that's a local that's a local bar ale and witch Mm -hmm. when is
0: that gonna happen
1: may 22nd it's a monday oh it's right before this
0: episode airs five oh is it rats okay
1: five to seven so anyhow um we do things like that in the community um we had a an event at WineSmith, which is down the street, and they yeah. raised—you know—they did raised over four hundred dollars for just a couple of hours being open that night uh, for a wine tasting. So,
0: well, let's plan a music fundraiser in Nashville. Come on down and oh, maybe in the fall. I would fall love to do that. I get some of my fancy pants absolutely. songwriter friends to to donate their time, and we can raise some and money. And we can for even.
1: You promote a little bit of um, Little Light of Mind services so I can do a day of shooting, yeah, perhaps. that'd be awesome. So, yeah, I would love we'll, to do we'll that. I've not been it. to Nashville, so I would love to go. Um, but, yeah, as far as expanding, uh, you know, once we get our training wheels off here <laughs> and we have everything documented, I would really, really love to um, go to the main all-children's hospitals throughout the country and start start Little Light of Mind chapters, I guess, that would be uh, yeah. under our, our umbrella here, and offer these services. We do get calls from around the country of, of parents asking for our services, and right now we don't have the funding to fly me around to these different places.
0: You should contact some of these airlines who are in desperate need of good PR and say, hey, why don't you That's fly me idea. around since everybody hates you. <laughs> I'm thinking Here's of a couple your... yeah. <laughs> in general. Yeah. 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 yeah,
1: I want more leggings. But I am over 12, so there is that. I might wear leggings. I like them. They're comfy. Um, But (laughs) anyhow, yeah, so I I would love to expand. I wasn't thinking of expanding when I first started. When I first started Little Light of Mine, I wasn't even going to be a 501c3. I wasn't going to have a team. I didn't need a team. I was just going to personally volunteer four hours of my life every month and go and photograph families in this that would qualify. I did not think that four hours would not be enough to handle the demand. Cause I'm like thinking in my naive little world that I live in, I don't know of anybody in this situation. So, um, there must not be that many.
0: There's so many,
1: there's so many, it's mind blowing. So when I started doing it, I mean, quickly, quickly, I was like, uh, I can't do this alone. Like this is a big, big project. So then I I put the, started putting my team together and went ahead and did the five oh one C three application and approval. And so we're all we're all legit and big and growing and now that I've had these requests and it breaks my heart to tell them I can't come. Yeah. You know? I mean it really is a horrible thing to tell someone, No, I'm sorry, I just can't do it and I suggest them call like local photographers to see if anybody would do it but yeah. Um, I, what I was thinking of I don't know if I said this during the break or not but um, is that you know I think I think parents there's a fair amount of parents who re- really want someone experienced in dealing with handicapped and disabled children so that it's not foreign to them and they aren't like oh my gosh you know there might be a deformality like a cleft palate which is really no big deal but to some people that might they might not know how to you know, they might like avoid looking at them or something or it's just weird stuff that sure. the average person does. Yeah. So it's a reasonable fear. Yeah. And you know, you don't want your photographer like in there going, Oh, yeah. you know, or stumbling around the equipment or just like not knowing how to handle the kids because they've got tubes and stuff. And I'm very comfortable around kids. I'm very comfortable around, um, medical equipment and disabilities and none of that really gets in death me. and death. Yeah. You know, So, uh, and we train, we're, we're, we're developing a training program for the photographers. It is a very specific kind of thing. Um, not every photographer is cut out for this at all. And I learned that the hard way too. (laughs) What do you
0: mean? Um,
1: well, before we would take anyone that any photographer who said they were a photographer, you know, we were kind of desperate to build the team and, then you know i mean we did go with them shadowing and us me shadowing them and sometimes i mean they would just be so awkward or their technical skills because it's crazy you know you're in a fluorescent lighting the child's laying in a hospital bed it's not like you're in a beautiful park or you're in a studio with controlled lighting you know i mean you have to deal with whatever is there and so technically your skills have to be pretty seasoned and your people skills need to be, there's just, you know, you have to be, have an empath, em, empathic, empathic spirit. Yeah. Um, And some people just feel very awkward and the awkwardness really comes out in their personality. So they like, yeah. I've seen people like raise their, you know, just speak like they're, they're deaf. And it's like, they are deaf. <laughs> they're a deaf guy. You know, you don't need to yell. <laughs> and then they just become like, kind of like this. Bozo the clown, you know? And I'm like, wow, what just happened in there? Like, no,
0: yeah,
1: no. I mean, you made me feel uncomfortable. I can't imagine how you made the family. And so I've had to like weed out a lot of people. Um, and now we have an application process where you have to submit photos. That's the first thing just to see your technical skills. And I'm, I'm, I've been surprised. Um, I've been surprised at how many professional photographers there are that send me their 20 best images and like, wow, no, they look like, you know, maybe cell phone shots
0: or something. I'm like, wow, really?
1: Yeah.
0: So, um, now you've just terrified half the people that were willing to, (laughs) (laughs) they're like, we were going to do it. Maybe not now. (laughs) It's good. You got to wait. If you feel that way, (laughs) I mean, you
1: have to have, you know, there there has to be a, a certain amount of skill level. I think side.
0: it's a very it's very important to know it in this particular case. This isn't, you know, glamour shots. No, this
1: and isn't... a lot of times so a lot of, uh, one time I had a photographer go to the hospital. This is early, early, early on, and, and um they went and did a shoot and then delivered their pictures and everything was off. The focusing because of the low level lighting and their aperture set really, really in a very finicky state which allowed more light in, but it made for very shallow depth of field. Anyhow, the pictures were off. There was, like, things in focus, like, you know, the kneecap would be in focus instead of the face or whatever. So I called the hospital. I'm like, I need to come back in. I need to come back and, and do this over. And they're like, oh, the child died yesterday. And uh. I'm like, okay. All right. So. And what do you do? Well, nothing in that case. But that, re- that was, like, that's when we started doing an application process. And the we final really straw. Yeah. tightened up, like, who who comes in um, and, and is a part. And, uh, you know, it, again, it's like the whole package. It's the, the quality of the work. Because I don't want different families to get different stuff. Yeah. I want everybody who comes through Little Light of Mine and, and gets our services to have the same quality of work. So sure. we have about three uh, photographers that are really, really, really sharp. Um, and they have the right personalities. Um, and so they're great. So, Great. um, and we want to grow the team and all that, but right now we're, we have the application process, which weeds out many, many people.
0: Yeah. So I um, wish dating had an application process. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. There should be. I know there should be one that they had to fill out and then somebody that they know has to fill out, but they don't get to see so you each other's have, answers. I have
1: always thought that when you're dating, you're, the guy should come with references i yeah. would like to speak if you're on bad terms with every single x that there's there's yeah. a reason for that
0: <laughs> yeah the one <laughs> the one thing that should, that is the same in all those equations is the person that have, yeah yeah <laughs> um so if people want to donate which hopefully they will it's uh l l o m dot org
1: yes and there is a donate button on there um we are revamping our website i'm actually learning a little bit of WordPress stuff right now, so ah, I can good. I can be in control of it. But yeah. um, there is a donate button, and it should work um, technically. I think it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I yes. hope
0: you raise tons and tons of money so that this grows because I think it's really important.
1: It it, uh, it really really has a place. I mean, everybody everybody in the world can relate to a photograph, either looking back at your own childhood photographs. Or, um, photographs maybe from two weeks ago of some event that you were at or people that you, that mean a lot to you, um, you know, for parents, you know, looking at, at pictures of, of my children, um, you know, it's, it's magic really. Photography is magic to me. I don't even understand how the camera works. I've had people try to, I'm not technically inclined. People ask me I'm what, you know, ask me technical questions all the time. I'm like, no. Listen, I'm on a need to know basis. What happens in that little black box is magic. I know there's a mirror and there's shit that's upside down and it flips around <laughs> and but how, I mean how you push a button and it captures like this scene this yeah. moment in time is magic to me. But I <laughs> yeah. think I
0: was to do with the photographer. You,
1: For you me think. it's all about the person to person. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's through it's through this this little box, but it's a true art form. Um it is. And it and so um I don't know where it's going with that, but I got all.
0: uh, I I was saying that it's an important, it it does have a place. So everybody,
1: the average person, everybody can relate to a photograph. And how how like even you know, if it was a year ago or two weeks ago or or 15 years ago, you look at an image and you can almost, you know, it's like music. Music is a nostalgia effect on you. You hear music or you see an image and you are transported back to that moment almost. You can feel, you can almost something like hear the laughter that was happening that day, or smell smells sometimes. It's really bizarre how that those senses take you back in time. And for a lot of these parents, that is all they are left with is these images. And out of all of our senses, visual is the most powerful. So, um, you know, I I feel like if you can just imagine what your photographs mean to you and then up that a little bit because if that child is no longer with us... Then that is what you are pretty much reduced to—is is these images and the feelings that you have, the memories that you have. Um, and I think, it's powerful. I mean, it's a—it yeah. is a power—powerful gift. It's a, so meaningful. There's priceless. You know, it's absolutely priceless. I couldn't even put a price tag on well, the service. You know. Yeah. Um, so I am very honored to be able to give this. To people, and I would absolutely love to see it expand nationwide. And you had mentioned you think
0: that sometimes parents feel weird about reaching out and saying, hey, I'd like this picture because maybe their children don't look like the Gerber baby or something, and so they have this. Apprehension for lack of a, or fear yeah and I mean. and I also
1: think that they absolutely, and I also feel like sometimes they're afraid to, because it's a vulnerable, vulnerable space you know that these parents are in, and they might you know they a lot of times during the photo shoot, uh the parents end up kind of weepy, you know, especially if I'm like you know I create these like orchestrate these moments where they're h- holding the baby, and I'm like, you know okay, now just close your eyes and put your cheek right up next and and you can just see. Tears start to stream down their face, which, of course, always (laughs) makes me also get leaky. Um, But, and I'm just, you know, and parents have written me and, and said, you know, not only are the images absolutely the world to them, but that I created that moment because you get wrapped up in the tests and the, you know, injections and the blood being drawn and this and the alarms and all of this stuff. And sometimes you, you know, you kind of they say they have told me they've, they they ha- forget to take those tender moments and just be, you know,
0: and, you
1: know just just be there and yeah. just uh, smell smell the baby, you know, <laughs> like just be right there and present, you know. Um, so I've had a lot of thank you letters where people are not only thanking me for the photographs but thanking me for the experience that that brought them and that they will, because I don't, I don't want them to look at the photographs and, and not just have it contrived, you know, okay, so, okay, click next. Like, it's very slow. Like I want everybody, you know, to just block out everything as much as you can. And we're going to be here now really present. Yeah. yeah. And so that when you look at these photographs, you are remembering this moment. And this moment is a moment that, that you're, you know, you will cherish. and, and we just have to ease into that It's almost like meditation, you know where you just sort of ease into that
0: okay, block
1: everything. Mm. I'm curious, you know
0: do, <laughs> you, do the older children ever step in and say, "Hey, can we do this or that?" Mm-hmm. they do i have,
1: I invite them to yeah, I want them to be a part of it, I want that, you know yeah like, and any ideas that you have that I'm not having because i'm I'm just a I'm just a mortal photograph <laughs> so I love even even for my you know. Healthy families that I photograph, I always invite people to tell me if they have any ideas. And kids, kids come up with the best ideas anyhow. Sure. So they're like, oh, why don't we do this? I'm like, That's, let's do it. Yeah. You know? If we can do it, let's do it. So, um, yeah, a lot of times they do. I mean, a lot of times we're very limited. Yeah. But um, it's, huh. it's, all, it's all great. Uh, I feel like this is the most meaningful work I've ever, ever done. I feel like it's right for me. It's, it was a struggle. I've been doing it for, I don't know, three or four years. First, first while, I didn't have a 501c. I wasn't collecting money. Um, and that definitely set me back. Yeah. But I really feel, always have felt like this would generate. It needs to get in front of the right people. But I do feel that, you know, it's it has a place. It has a place in the world um, I agree. These, the parents, like you said, are often financially just completely devastated. And aside, like I said, from finances, it's a very vulnerable space that you're inviting them into. So, or that they're inviting you into. So they, I feel like a lot of, of parents want to have someone who, who is comfortable, who's going to be soothing, who is not going to you're not going to have to, you know, the parents aren't going to have to take care of them and go, oh, it's okay, it's okay. You know, that they, they, we've been in this environment before, it's okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And we can actually provide some comfort and soothing to them and treat them as if they're a normal family as much as we can. You know, make them feel normal for a few minutes. It must and be
0: incredibly beautiful when they see the images when you bring them to them. Just, I don't get to see that. Oh, because they go—they go, they go cause they're A link, yeah. And okay. um, but I do get a lot of thank you letters. I, I bet. do, yeah. You yeah. know, so sure.
1: and I—I've gotten to know uh, a few families. You know, pretty close. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm probably going to be friends with some of these guys forever. Yeah, they feel like family to me now, and yeah. um, I've gone to people's homes after. Um, and done like, you know, cause we will shoot more than once if the child is surviving and there's milestones, birthdays, whatever, we'll, you know, I'll go back and yeah. continue to photo. I'll be their family photograph, photography until either they graduate from being terminally ill or they pass.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, so, and I've gone back and, you know, they've had, they've used their link to make their whole house, a gallery of all these canvases and wow. beautiful artwork that i I did, and I'm like,
0: that's incredible, wow, this is like a what a gift
1: calorie <laughs> of my work. I love it here, <laughs> <laughs> and it looks beautiful, you know, it's just like all these like sweet, tender moments, and I mean i, I have a pretty big screen, but that's as big as I see it, yeah. so when I see like these giant canvases on someone's wall and then I, and then I really know like wow they they obviously loved their pictures, yeah. <laughs> you know, so i'm 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 really i'm really it's it's great it's great work it's really great work
0: thank you for so. being in the universe <laughs> thank you for You're bringing welcome. your gifts to the world i mean i think it's it's just beyond it's great sherry kendrick little light of mine thank you for being on the show well thank you for coming down here from nashville and-